Hi, it's Dan here for Dusty Discs Radio, and this is the podcast Liner Notes, revealing chats with Canada's retro music makers. Today, I'm very honored to once again have as my guest Coral Andrews, who is an independent media professional with a lengthy list of uh, interests in the Canadian music scene. She's writing, editing, blogging, social media, interviewing, and radio broadcast at Coral FM, as well as the author of the book, The Back Door, about a very special music venue in Kitchener, Ontario. So uh, thanks for joining me today, Coral. It's nice to speak to you again. How are you doing? I'm good, Dan. I just wanted to tell you that um, I'm on my my um, radio show. I have two radio shows now at 98.5 CKWR. Uh, one is yep. the Afternoon Drive, and the other one is Coral Rocks. It's a new Saturday morning show. Uh, so it's um, it's been a very busy year for both the radio show and the book, uh, my book, The Back Door. Yes. In fact, I'm, I have 40 copies left of the third printing. <laughs> nice. Well, the last interview we had, we went through the whole book and all the chapters and everything. Really interesting about a specific venue in Kitchener, Ontario. And so, uh, so tell us a little bit about that, just to refresh everybody that, that might not have heard that. Well, there was a, a bar underneath the Schnitzel House that I used to DJ in and work in as a waitress and sometimes bartender called the Back Door. And uh, over the the twenty years that I spent. Uh, waitressing upstairs and downstairs we had lots of different the the bar went through lots of different phases it was the area's first disco first punk bar first comedy bar probably one of the first jazz bars as well and uh and then i i did about i interviewed people that went down there and then musicians that had played there so everybody from uh, jane sibri to the forgotten rebels uh, it was quite an eclectic collection of artists that played down there, and since then the book has been uh, the book has gone across Canada, into the states, into England, parts of Europe, all over Waterloo Region where I live, and across parts of Ontario. So it's you know the book just keeps on it just keeps on going. What can I say? No, very cool. So give me a time frame then. This would be late 70s into the, the 20 years you were there, into the 90s? Yeah, yeah. Uh, around 1978 to 1995. So okay. it okay. was quite the uh, quite the experience. And yeah. when I sign books, I tell people to enjoy the ride. So I've had a lot of feedback. <laughs> Well, I think we talked about that last time, that the, the time frames when you're looking back from our vantage point now, it's like, holy guacamole, things go quickly, right? Things are shifting yes. and switching. It's an exciting time, of course, for, for music and for life. And and then, as you said in the book, things just kept rotating very quickly and you were kind of holding on for dear life, I guess, in, in some ways as things shifted around you. Yes. Yeah, you could say that. Because <laughs> it was a it, it um it was a Beatles bar at one point as well called the Cavern yeah and uh, you never knew what was going to happen next and <laughs> it has a lot to do with the people that went down there and you know since the I did the book launch and it was sold out in fact past sold out and a lot of people that went to the back door came to the book launch oh, cool I did it in a theater I had a ballet dancer uh, Tara Butler. She's um, from Ballet Jorgen and now has her own dance company. And she did the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy because the one night we had a poetry night and we had a guy named James McAuliffe who actually did a poetry slam in Vancouver. Hmm. And uh, he read an X-rated version of the Sugar Plum Fairy. So Tara said she would dance to a rock and roll version of the Sugar Plum Fairy. So it was quite the night. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Well, because that's what struck me too. I had Erica M on the uh, podcast and I asked her about, you know, how she sort of processed the experience at the time. And she said, everything was moving so fast. You don't really think about it so much. You're just getting on to the next thing and working. And your, your experience sounded similar. Like you're, you're in the midst of it. And you're just doing yes. it and going day to day. And then, so how is that different when you reflect back on it? You get to sort of put it all together and kind of have an overall impression of it. Well, you know what? I, my pal and I, Tracy Jackson, who worked down there, we were called the Slum Sisters. We don't know how we survived. <laughs> like at times, <laughs> at times, you know, I go down the stairs 
uh, you know, I go to, I, I change from upstairs from my waitressing outfit and, you know, dress up for the back door as squeaky's aversive. And I'd be going down the back stairs through the kitchen going, what the hell's going to happen tonight? <laughs> what am I going to find under a table? Like I'm going to find a, a, you know, a, a, a friggin' Mickey of something we don't sell downstairs or beer or worse, uh, I think yeah. people used to do, they used to snort Coke at the back table and smash oh, yeah. the light out so nobody could see yeah. them. <laughs> it was, it was nuts. It was, it was insane down there sometimes. And I, yeah. you know, I, I can't believe, and a lot of people didn't survive the back door. Actually, they, yeah. you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. They just died in a, they went in a blaze of glory. What can Crazy. I say? And and your name was Squeaky Subversive. Is that yes? That, that was my DJ name. Well, apparently, like um, I'm, I'm kind of I'm squeaking right now, actually, sort of. But uh, my my uh, when I went in to get the job, uh, waitressing job, at the Metro, uh, the the guy that the my boss Molan Razdalek, he was in the kitchen, and I was I was. Uh, I was doing an interview with Carla Cubank, his partner who was managing the restaurant, the Metro Tavern. And he came out the door and he said, what the hell is that? And I was talking to Carla. And, and uh, so I was squeaking apparently. And so that name stuck, that name stuck. So, and then I just thought, well, squeaky from, and then I thought subversives, subversives. So we used to have a, it was kind of a, almost like a, I would say a theme song for the back door, Moscow Drug Club by B.B. Gabor. Oh, so one of the lines in the song is where subversive sit and talk. So I thought squeaky subversive. There was my yeah. DJ name and it stuck and people still call me squeak to this very day. Oh, very funny. Yeah. And then the other thing that, that emerged from when we talked about your book is that it was specific to the back door, but you also got a sort of a broader view of the whole changing landscape of music and you became sort of a historian in the process yes. because you were gathering information and understanding and and then, of course, writing about it. You started doing that. And now you said that your book has, has been real popular and you're going out and talking about that and, and doing some other events as well. Tell me about that. I have been doing, I did, um, I went to the Hillside Festival in Guelph and I have been reading segments from the book. I read some there. Okay. Uh, the Kitchener Blues Festival had a workshop. So I read some segments there and I brought in actually John Bora, who used to be in a band called Neon Rome. I think he's on tour out west right now with uh, mm-hmm. Carolyn Mark. But anyway, he came in, he had some stories about the back door when he played in a band called A Neon Rome. So he came to town and performed some solo songs and talked about the back door. And then I had another band, uh, uh, Acid Test. They were Acid Test, a 90s band. And they're in the Bruce yeah. McDonald movie, I want to say Roadkill. It's either Roadkill or Highway 61. Uh, Steve Fall and Lucy DeSanto from Acid Test. So they came in. And uh, performed some live music and talked about their time at the back door. So it was pretty funny. Oh, cool! It was. And we had a good crowd. You know, it was a lot of fun. And I, I got a, um, a custom. A friend of mine, Nadine, made me a custom back door T-shirt. There's only one. So I've oh. had orders for more. Yeah, <laughs> it's neon pink and green and yellow and black. Oh, so neat. it's uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, also, and people are digging the book, so that's that's yeah, great, yeah. Great. It's it's it um it just keeps on selling. It's you know I, I've been at punk markets selling it, and um, I'm trying to think other places too. I I was part of a uh, part of an event that um, my friend Benny Ann Keller did called Rock This Town. Um, she's done a music documentary about KW in the fifties and fifties to seventies. And it's an amazing piece of it's an amazing piece of work, and uh, everybody came through here at the University of Waterloo from Chuck Berry to Frank Zappa. I kid you wow. not. Yeah. So um, Rock This Town Two is in the works, and it's the '80s, '80s, '90s, and the back door is included in the in the upcoming music documentary. So I'm thrilled about that. Very cool. And KW, just for our listeners, is Kitchener Waterloo. Yes. Yes. 
Well, very cool. Well, that's neat because again, it gives people the opportunity to reflect back on it. You know, when you're in the scene, and of course, I came up all through that time as well. And you're you're sort of focused on what you're doing, and it's it's an intense time because you're young and you're trying to make something of yourself, and you're caught up in the in the hoopla of the music and the excitement and whatnot. But you're not reflecting on it; you're doing it. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. And we had a there was a good music scene in Guelph as well. Yeah. Uh, we had people come in from Guelph playing all the time. So, you know, they had a really healthy punk scene in Guelph at the time. So yeah. I think my, my cousins or my, my second cousins, because I'm from Guelph, but I moved out of there when I was younger. So I never got into the music scene. I came out to the West Coast. So this has been my music scene out here. But uh, yes. I think my, my uncle and my cousins were involved in the music scene out there. And they some of them still are, I think. So. That's very cool. Kind of lost track a little bit. Yeah. So, so well, good for you. And 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 let's put a plug in again for the book. So uh, the back door and uh, and it's coralandrews.ca is your is your website. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. That's the best place yes. to get a hold of that if people are interested. Well, yes, and mm-hmm. I also have um, I have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. Just one page now. It's coralandrews slash kw. And we will have more information about the back door because it turns one year old on January 27th. Nice. So then you're doing Coral Rocks on the FM station, 98.5 CKWR. Is that what you're on now? And you do the afternoon drive? Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, I have a Saturday morning show called Coral Rocks from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m., so you can imagine musicians wanting to come in at that time of the day, but they do. They actually show up, mostly with a lot of coffee. Um, and they're, it's, it's sort of what – it's kind of what you're doing, actually. It's like, a, you know, taking an hour – like taking – it's kind of radio that breathes. You can take an hour to talk to someone and find out, you know, how they got into music and some of their favorite yeah. artists that got them, you know, on on the path to music, that kind of stuff. So I've I've had musicians coming in from Toronto recently, which is great. Nice. Um, and then a lot of local musicians and artists, you know, uh, authors. So it's it's a lot of fun. And then the afternoon drive is different. It's Monday to Friday, two to six, and it's the weather and the traffic. And then I do a feature called Top Track, where I feature a local Canadian band or regional Canadian band, and it's um, sponsored. And then I also have Vinyl Pick of the Week, which is when I interview someone and get them to pick their favorite piece, you know, favorite song from the 70s, 80s, or 90s, which is kind of fun. Isn't that neat? Uh, and then I do another feature called In the Owls, which is an arts and entertainment feature where I interview uh, artists, uh, local uh, artists, regional artists uh, from KW and beyond. So the show's pretty busy. It nice. goes fast. Four hours goes very fast. And that's your main gig right now, I guess. Would That would take up most of your time if you're doing an afternoon show every day. And yes. And a Saturday show. So that's your, so the blogging and the writing and stuff would take a sort of a backseat to that at this point? I've been doing a little bit of writing and I may do another, I may add some stories and do a second edition of the back door because I've had one of my, one of the DJs, I finally found him. He sent me a really great anecdote. So I may do an addendum to the back door and I have been doing, I'm going to start doing a little bit of blogging on my website, coralandrews.ca and I'm not really, I'm looking to freelance in magazines yeah. right now because I'm getting an itchy, My I'm starting to, I'm getting an itch to write again because I haven't yeah. been writing a lot. Well, but if you're doing five days a week, I mean, there's a bit of prep time and then travel, I guess you, you go into the station or you, you don't do it from home, I'm assuming. Oh, I'm in, I'm at the station every day. So, so yeah. that's going to suck up a lot of your week, just, just that alone, right? Yes. Yes. Well, that's good. So, so your Facebook page said you're celebrating eight years on the afternoon. Yes. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Eight years. Yeah. So we've had, we've had Stephen Fearing has come in and, um, I don't know if you knew Big Rude Jake, Jake Hebert. Didn't know. Uh, Yeah. He was, uh, Big Rude Jake was very popular on the KW area in Toronto, especially really great, cool kind of swing sound. He's yeah. not with us anymore, sadly, um, but he was a regular guest. And yes. Dave Ray from Teenage Head, 
comes in a lot. Uh, you know, so I, I've got kind of, I'm going to put up a kind of a memory sing of people that have been coming in over the last eight years. It's very nice. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. That's for sure. And you're a produce, you're, you're listed as producer as well. So you're co-producing or producing that part of the day. Yes. I run the board. Nice. I run the board and do the show. So it's, yeah, yeah I've learned a lot actually. I bet. Year. Yeah. You, well, I mean, that's part of the skill set. You don't talk about transferable skills, but being willing to sort of do whatever, like your job description is whatever needs to be done. So you just do it, right? You just go, okay. Yes. It sounds like something in your wheelhouse. The show becomes more about like if people are listening to the afternoon drive in their cars, so they want to know what's going on with the weather and they sure as hell want to know what's going on with the traffic. So yes, the, the um, interviews that I do are three to four minutes long. They are no longer than that yeah. because it's a different type of radio altogether. That's something that I have learned in the past year. I've had a, um, I've gone to radio school, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. What's your, what the format is and, and you're choosing music and, and then your demographic, like who, who is your listener that you're trying to attract? Well, I would say all ages of probably 40s to 70s at this rate, uh, but I have younger <laughs> listeners too, so I can't really I can't really tell you. It's uh, I, I've had older listeners, like I've had people call in in their 90s saying, "Oh man, I really like this song." I'm going, "What?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like you just don't know, right? Yeah. Well, so you're branded as adult alternative. Alternative. Yes. That, yes. That's what you're. So I was wondering what the demo on that would be. The, but I guess it's, again, it's pretty eclectic, right? Just people who are interested in something that's just a little different. I think so. I mean, so. I listened to part of your show. You played Sanctuary and you play some, you know, well-known tunes, but then you play other stuff that people just wouldn't hear. Yeah, that's right. Like, well, here, we'll play Deep Tracks. So we'll play The Cult, She Sells Sanctuary, and uh, we might play Coleman Hell or um, he's like a young Toronto artist. Or a ska face, which is a band out of Mississauga. They're a ska band. Mm. So we have yep. listeners constantly emailing going, what song was that? Or, oh my God, I haven't heard that song in ages because we're uh, adult alternative. So we're 70s, 80s, 90s, but we're deep tracks, I would say sometimes. Right. It's very okay. eclectic. Well, that's cool. And then do you add some of the history, history as well and historical tidbits and stuff with, with the introductions and stuff that you do? Yeah, I have a feature called Today's Note in Music History. So if somebody comes up, if it's someone I've met, um, the other day, January 8th, uh, was uh, um, David Bowie's birthday, Elvis Presley's birthday, but it's also Graham Chapman's birthday from Monty Python. So I did a little piece about, you know, meeting Graham because I met him twice. Uh, he was yeah. here in Kitchener-Waterloo to do a show at the University of Waterloo. And then six months later, he was at Ryerson in Toronto to do another evening with Graham Chapman and the Dangerous Sports Club and all this stuff. And he'd written a book called A Liar's Autobiography. And I was raised on Python. So we spent a fair amount together, a fair amount of time together chatting uh, with his, uh, his, he had his son with him too. And this is 1987, I think. And I wrote an article wow. for graffiti magazine and, uh, which was a, a magazine, like a pop culture magazine, kind of edgy, I suppose you could call it at the time in Toronto and Montreal. And, um, they asked me if I could write a story about, uh, Graham Chapman reviewing the solo Python films, like, clockwise or the missionary or personal services, uh, that kind of stuff. And Brazil, yeah. Terry Gilliam's film. So Graham did that. And it was, you know, it was an interesting chat for sure. Some of the stuff he hated it, some of it he loved. But um, so yeah. that came up in today's note music history. So I did a little feature on Graham or um, yesterday, Long John Baldry, it was, he, he passed away yesterday. So I also have a, an anecdote with Long John Baldry. So if I can, if I can add things into today's note in music history that have um, been part of my interviewing career, then I will do that, which makes yeah. it, you know, more fun. 
So yeah, and, and of course, radio hits are different than the the longer conversations, which was, is what we're having. But um, do you do a lot of podcasts now, or do you, is that sort of on the back burner, like the long format podcasts? I do. I'm on SoundCloud. You can find me on SoundCloud under the Afternoon Drive uh, slash Coral Rocks. So I I have been producing, uh, doing little podcasts, and I'm going to be doing more of those this year. But it it's time consuming, as you well know. Yes, well, that's why I was asking if you're still doing the long format ones because I, I saw some of the older ones that you had. I listened to a few before we had our previous conversation. I just wondered how active you are in that now. Um, I was actually before you before we started talking. I just finished sending one to uh, a director I interviewed yesterday for. Uh, she's doing auditions for an Alan Bennett play called Kafka's Dick. Alan Bennett mm. from Beyond the Fringe. It's very funny, very funny play. But um, what happens is we, I, if if someone, if I do an interview with them, we don't. Um, I, I will send them the interview that I did on the radio because we don't. We currently don't have it set up where people can listen to listen back to the show. But yeah. you know we're a community radio station, so we're we're working on that. It's one thing at a time. But I, you know, I like putting stuff on SoundCloud. And I have a lot more stuff to do, especially if musicians come into the studio and do an hour long um, show. That's that's a lot of fun. Right. So I have been doing those. Yeah. Well, and I find like, especially with podcasts like this too, you can have a little bit of a deeper conversation rather than just a radio hit of what have you been doing? What are you doing? Thanks yes. a lot. Yeah. Play a track. And, you know, yeah, of course those have their place. But... Yeah, they do. Well, so let me ask you about the, the some broader questions now, because we were real specific last time. I think we went through chapter and verse of, of the book, and uh, that was really cool. But I wanted to ask you some broader questions this time and uh, and just get your sense of some things. Be, okay. Your finger on the pulse of the music scene and uh, and whatnot. So at your radio station, like you said, you, you, you're very sort of open and you, you're adult alternative, which is, which to me, when I hear that, I think, okay, that it's, it's, it's got a little bit of a twist, right? You're, you want, um, different sort of things and, and different music and, and different experiences and, and just something a little bit different than your standard sort of play 40 or 50 tracks radio station. That's got a real set. So how do you determine your, your playlist? Like who's your program director? Do you get to decide what you play? We have a great program director. We have like three guys doing the music actually. And CKWR is a kind of a three-tier station. So we have specialty programming. So on Saturdays, um, we have we have jazz, we have folk, uh, we have alternative music. We have a guy um, that does a show called The Groove that he, he kind of, he is a kind of an archaeological um, music, musicologist. Like he will just mine the music bins and find stuff that artists are on that they can't even remember they they were on that cd that's how good this guy is he's got a show called yeah. the groove then we have cool. uh, another show called the lost indie city with pete fowler and greg secord and that is 40 years of alternative music and that's on saturday nights but we also yeah. have some amazing multi-language programming and then on sundays we have faith programming so ckwr is a very unique radio station and it is billed as canada's first community radio station and we just nice. turned 50 years old so the the playlist like we our playlist is it just works really well we have i have we have so many people saying wow i haven't heard that song in i don't know how long or what what is this song or who is this band so the guys that are behind this are doing an amazing job it is it is great and i love playing the music i really do yeah well cool and and you're online i did go and listen to a little bit i listened to your intro and stuff a few days ago so people can find it online it's it's mainly focused on kitchener waterloo i assuming or southern ontario at least yeah but uh, you people can access it online as well yes people listen actually i have people listening that i have people listening in england we have people listening from all over the world you know, nice. which is which is the great thing about having radio online and internet, like you know, having the radio online is good. But we're also analog too, so we're in the car uh, because yeah. people listen to radio in the car. I think. Yeah, they still do. What, what do you think it is now compared to say twenty years ago? Like listen, radio listenership. Where's that at? 
I think it's stronger. I think people are going back to radio uh, because they want information and they have uh, I had this talk with Dave Bedini actually. Um, he says that when you're when you're on the radio, people they get to know you. It's like you're in their living room. You become their friend. And if you know something, if there's breaking news, there's a trust between the yeah. between the host and the listener. And I I took that you know I I thought you know what he's he's right he's he's right. So I you know that's one of the things I love about doing radio. And you you can't. There's no, like, it's not an obvious, there's no, oh, it's, you, you can see what's going on. It's right there. It's sort of, it's almost like reading a book. You can mm-hmm. kind of fill in the gaps yourself. Uh, does that sound right? Does that make any sense? Well, yeah. And, and just to piggyback on that, I mean, you know, we heard when, when TV came out, they said, well, that's the end of radio. You know, this was, would be back in the forties and fifties when TV became mainstream. And then when satellite radio came out and then of course, Spotify and all the streaming services, yeah. a lot of people were saying the doom and gloom. Now it went through a shift, but lots of people still listen to the radio. I do when I'm driving. And, uh, I do like to hear the, the real sort of person on the other side. I don't like a lot of the chatter and the advertising, but that's a necessary part of it. But I do like the person rather than just having one song play and next song play. So I think there's always going to be a place. It's just a shifting landscape, I guess. Is, yes. Is and I, it. um, I'm thinking I had this conversation the other day. I think what keeps newspapers going, what keeps it's the local stories. Um, People are invested in wanting to know what's going on in their community. So I, you know, I, and I think we, we also, we, I mean, I cover a lot of, we all cover the arts and stuff like that, but we also do community. We, we talk to hospitals and food banks and homeless shelters and, you know, all the things that are part of a community and a community life. And I think, people tune into the radio for that as well because they hear local stories you can hear anything else everywhere else whatever your news source is but if you're tuned into local radio you're not going to hear those stories anywhere else and that's what makes it unique and it's the same mm-hmm. with the local paper i get the, the water region record every day maybe i'm dating myself here but i read it cover to cover because i want to know what's going on where i live so maybe yeah. I'm ranting here, but you know what? I- <laughs> no, I, well, no, I appreciate that because it, you know, it ties into the bigger picture, but so do you do still, you still do location uh, broadcasting as well sometimes for local events or charities? Yeah, we, we're on site if we can be. Yeah. And that's a lot of fun as well. Um, we, we do a lot of fundraising too. Um, you know, we have yeah. uh, my pal Pete Fowler does the all request brunch. So he used to those on CFMY back in the day, a great Toronto station that, you know, played alternative new wave. It was, a, it was a visionary station run, run created by Dave Marsden, I think David Marsden. And uh, so Pete does these, we do these brunches on, on uh, holidays. And so we raise money for the food bank and we, you know, we raise money for different charities, which is really great, whether it's, nutrition for learning or a hospital foundation or whatever. And, uh, and, and it works. The listeners, you know, they actually donate and people listen in and the charities love it. And it's a great partnership. Yeah, good. Well, and, and the, the local connection, I've done lots and lots of events where the local DJ comes down and they set up a tent and they, they do a broadcast there for a few hours and people really dig that because yes. the, the local sort of hip DJ is there and the radio stations there and it creates a buzz. And that's something that really transcends the Spotify's and the satellite radio and stuff. I mean, they're not doing anything like that. So no. that's a way for local radio to, to stay vibrant and relevant. Yes. Yes, I believe in that. Yeah, and the the amount of money that Spotify doesn't pay artists, yeah, uh, you know, it's I'm sorry, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's really another, bad. Another conversation in itself. Yeah, uh, so. I I just tell people, you know, if you want to help an artist, go and buy their merchandise, go and support yeah. live music, go and see them, because you know, there's not like yeah, I'm sure you know this yourself. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Well, that's why I was going to ask you, too. How many live shows do you go? Because, you know, when the DJs go down and introduce a live band and stuff, again, that's part of the buzz, right? You got the local uh, DJ come down and say, hey, you know, thanks for listening to, you know, whatever the radio station is, and then introduce the live band. And that, yes. that just generates a lot of buzz, too. So how many live shows would you go to now in, in a year? I, I emceed a, a show called Best of All last fall which is great. Like they, it's, um, Tom Wilson was there from junk house and I, I got to introduce, introduce him. And that was a lot of fun. And we had, it was huge. It was a huge turnout. And, uh, cool. yeah, because I, they asked me to come and DJ or, or DJ MC from the radio yeah. station. And I really liked doing that. And I do go see local shows. I, I mean, I go and support local music all the time and local theater. I don't, the big shows like in Toronto and stuff like that, the ticket prices are outrageous. So hmm. yeah. I I don't want to pay 350 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you there. I don't do that either, but um, no, I understand that. that. I mean, the ticket prices, when you hear some of the, like the Madonna tour and the, and the of course the Taylor Swift tour, but uh, you know, it, it, it just becomes a little bit absurd when they're asking you to spend two or three days or a week's wages on a concert ticket. It's like yeah. yeah, for the average working person, that's a, that's a little bit too much. But then, for someone like yourself, I mean, you're you're very involved in the the local scene, so you'd be better served probably going down in and introducing bands and checking out who's out there and what they're doing. Yeah, I like. I'm. I mean, I'm going to an open mic, and apparently, there's a nine year old guitarist who's really, really good. Cool. So you know, I, I'm going to go see this kid. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always looking. I always like to write about new artists and discover new artists and help yeah. other people discover them as well. That's why I nice. keep doing this. I think. Yeah, well, cool. And and so, where's the music scene right now? Just as a general, broad question: Are you enthusiastic or optimistic about the music scene right now, or where is it? I think locally, a lot of musicians instead of playing in bars. They're doing theater shows because they want an audience that's going to listen to them and not talk during their, you know, during their, um, during their shows, which is kind of interesting. I've noticed that trend. And we've had a few bars that have closed down and have reopened and reimagined themselves. So that's interesting. And uh, I, I wrote about this for Words and Music. Was that Words and Music? No, So Can uh, Magazine has an online uh, online blog. So everybody was saying, you know, when COVID happened, oh God, live music, it's oh, never going to come back. And the one person that you know was, he went, no, no, Mike McKenna from McKenna Men's and Mainline. He's yep. an interesting guy. He's like, oh, no, it's coming back, and it's coming back much better than it was before. And let me tell you, people will pay to see these musicians because they'll be missing them. And that's what's happened. Like I, I, there are people, there are musicians that play in this town that I used to go to for free, and now they're charging you know, $25, $30 at the door, and people yeah. are paying it because yeah. they appreciate their work more. So, yeah. Well, no, you make a good point because, uh, you know, for my, myself, I've been a full-time musician for over 40 years and 2023 is the best year I've ever had in my life. I in, rest my case. So it, it is true. And, and, uh, people are going out now. It's not the, and we don't play a lot of pubs or bars. I mean, that it's, it's, again, it's a shifting landscape and I've adjusted to it. We do theaters and casinos and, and, uh, different venues where they'll, pay a cover charge but you know people like us i mean i don't care i'll pay 20 bucks to see a band i don't care Who oh cares? so will i and it I goes will to the too. band right so exactly you know, yeah so it's yeah. Uh, so that that's been a good thing too and i mean i don't know what your position is on the enthusiasm of yesteryear you know you talk about like in the 70s and 80s and growing up and being in that scene there was a real buzz right and, and yeah i don't know if we'll ever get back to that again but where do well, you see the enthusiasm gap Here's here's something interesting. The Kitchener Blues Festival brought in men without hats. Like it was all it was all 80s, 90s stuff. The Dandy Warhols, uh, the Grapes of Wrath, um, and the audiences. I mean, there's these bands are playing like bands like the Spoons. Uh, there's like a retro thing happening, and people are coming out and rediscovering their music. 
And then new audiences are coming out and going, who are these guys? So I I find that fascinating. Um, Yeah, I I, you know, the Blues Fest was a mixture. It was uh, some great blues players that played there, but there were lots of I couldn't believe the I couldn't believe the amount of 80s. 80s bands that were there it was and the audiences that came out it was packed there were thousands of people that came out to see these bands so their careers are are still going so you're sounds like you're optimistic about the music scene yeah i i i i'm always optimistic about the music scene people go oh blah 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 i'll go no 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 just wait and see wait and see and uh you know that's just me well, I'm with you on that because I've, again, I've been a full-time entertainer for over 40 years and I've heard so many, oh, the music scene's doing this and doing that. And I'm like, just, just find your way. People love music. Find a way to monetize it. Shift with the landscape. Yeah. I mean, there's no money in playing pubs. You're not going to make a living playing pubs. I've told lots of my friends that if you want to have oh, a couple yeah. of drinks on the weekend, go ahead. But Musicians you know. should stop devaluing themselves. Like, oh yeah, I'll yeah. play this for like how much money. And then yeah. the other musicians go can you swear on this podcast? <laughs> we try not like, to, cause then we get yeah, a well, <laughs> Yeah, really. Well, you know what I'm going to say? It's like, what the, f-? you know, yeah. because what happens is one musician will say, yeah, yeah, I'll take this amount of money. And then the others will go, Oh man. Like yeah. now the, now the bar owner is going to say, well, I played that. I paid that guy this amount of money. So guess what? This is what you're so, getting. So the musicians are all saying, stop doing that. Stop well, doing so that. So I don't play that game. I don't play that game at all. I just make deals that make sense for me. And, and the thing is with the bars and stuff, they don't, they don't have a lot of money anyways, unless they, unless they charge a cover charge and, and they give it to the band. Yes. And there's no money there anyway. So I go and do theaters and stuff. Like we've got two theater shows coming up one this week, or sorry, right. one in, in a week. And then we're doing Casino Regina and, and those are a function of the tickets. So yes. the price you get paid is, so I just make my own deals and, and the other guys can, can sort of undercut each other, I suppose, or, or kind of figure out what they're doing. But again, I, that's what gets back to the idea of vibrancy and, and that sort of the enthusiasm of yesteryear, like the bar scene is not what it was. And, and that's probably a good no. thing because as you said, the people go to different venues where you've got their undivided attention. There's no sports game playing over your shoulder while you, yeah, as a musician, you gotta, you gotta love that. Oh, Hey, I'm playing this. Oh, great. The goddamn well, Leafs game is on. And so I know, well, and it's the, it, the finals. It's the freaking, so, so you're you, playing. And everybody yeah. starts clapping in the middle of a song. It's like, well, it's the middle of the song. What are they clapping about? Well, they're watching the game. They, and the Leafs just scored or somebody. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, I, I, I love musicians. I really do. Because they go through so much crap. Oh, yeah. I and I said, you know what? All of you should write books. Start writing yes. books. Like there's a bunch of veteran musicians. I'm go, I go, you guys should start writing books. Like well, they have and, so yeah. many stories, right? Oh <laughs> so yeah, and funny anyway. ones too. I I have lots myself, but uh, oh, but I, I think it. again, you know, I have never worried about. I, I just I go on the premise that people love music. That the world is a better place because we have music in it. Imagine if there was no music; it would be terrible. So if people it love would. music. You just have to find a place to play it. And I've always yes. gone on the premise that there's a gig out there for me somewhere. I'm going to find it and I'm going to go and do it. That's it. That's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it works. It's worked for me great. And like I said, I just have my best year ever. So it's obviously something's clicking. Yes. I so would say. An, another question for you is do you think there'll ever be another Beatles? No. I mean, now and then came out, and that was something. Like I have friends of mine that are huge Beatles fans. And actually, one of my friends is. He's a producer and he's actually working with someone at Abbey Road right now to do some work. But when Now and Then came out, I was, I thought, okay, this is interesting. This is a tape that John Lennon had that he was, you know, noodling around that Yoko Ono gave to Paul McCartney. And there's noise in the background and yada, yada, yada. And so then all these years later, Paul and George and Ringo get together and George has a solo. And it's like, okay, wow. And then Paul gave the tapes to Peter Jackson. So AI actually helped in this case because it helped to separate the track that John Lennon had 
right. then they were they were actually able to put out a song. But I can't see not the same way. Uh, I don't know. How about you? I don't. I can't see. Well, a, no. Yeah, I, I, it's an interesting question because it's you know uh, it gets back to the time frame. Like part of the Beatles was that it was a function of the time. Right. Yes. So, so inserting the Beatles, like if the Beatles came up today in 2024, you know, that it's a different time. So, so part of the success was a function of the time, not to disparage their immense talent and their songwriting abilities. Yeah. But the other thing is like, so one time a radio station had a contest or, or a, a survey and they said, who is better, the Stones or the Beatles? And then, uh, I, I, called up and i said well there's no comparison that you know the the beatles yeah, the melodies can't. they wrote and whatnot would never be duplicated i don't think and then the funny thing is about um five callers later terry david mulligan called in and oh, he man. said exactly yeah he said exactly the same thing that i said that yeah, there's you, no comparison you can't compare those guys because they came from entirely different backgrounds and uh and the and but they were both extremely witty I have to say, the Beatles maybe have a little bit more wit over top of the Stones, um, and that was part of their charm too. You know, the yeah. some of the answers they used to give the press were hilarious. Uh, maybe not all yeah. the time, and then and and then Keith Richards and Mick Jagger. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, as far as pop music goes, it's it's hard. I I would never say anything negative about them. I just for the for me the Beatles as a musician, the melodies that they wrote. And that's yes. part of the reason why I ask, because a lot of stuff that comes out now, and, and you're in alternative radio, but a lot of stuff that comes out now is very monotone and the melodies aren't real strong. The Beatles had no. such distinct melodies. You can think of those songs and the melodies going through your head instantly. Yeah. And, and when George Martin got, when they started working with George Martin, the, the element that he added to their sound, I think that makes yeah. them timeless in a lot of ways. I would say, yes. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I, no, I just wanted to get your take on that because I, as, a, as a radio person, is there a modern-day Beatles? Not for me. I don't think so. I mean... I don't yeah. think so. Like, people were going on about Oasis years ago. I went, yeah. seriously, you've got to be kidding me. Those guys can't even get along. They're constantly in today's note music history. Liam Gallagher did this. Uh, you know, Noel Gallagher did this. So it's like, yeah. no... Nope. So funny. They're better off with their solo projects. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not the Beatles. Oh my well, God. and again, I mean, the Beatles, you know, like the, the reason they set the standard is again, because of so many monumental songs and albums and melodies. To me, that's yeah. what it is. It's like a lot of the songwriting nowadays that the melodies are not really well crafted and really strong. A lot of them are monotone, especially in some of the genres. But that's the other thing I wanted to ask you about is is the genres nowadays. Like, you know, it's funny when when you're submitting songs and stuff and I've got my new album out now, but you're submitting songs and you're trying to pick a genre. Well they got like a hundred different have you ever seen the list of the different genres like cow punk there, and all this it's ridiculous. Yeah, there's oi punk. And yeah. you know, I think I was mentioning that in the book. It's like, oh punk is a fashion now it's a there's so many different it's like cable tv how many freaking <laughs> there's like a thousand i don't know how many music genres there are and so now i when i'm interviewed i'll say they're a multi-genre band because i really mm. don't know how to categorize them right. and everything is so fragmented yeah where how the hell did that happen i <laughs> So it's really blurred. Like that's what that's why I wanted to ask you about genres because alternative is kind of a catchphrase. I mean, you can use that for a lot of different stuff. But you know, a good example is uh, with country music, for example. So some of the people that like uh, the the traditional country, you know, the the Waylon Jennings and yeah. know, Hank Senior guys. I mean, they really don't like the new country because the new country is no. more like country rock, and you know. So there's a yeah. good example of a a genre that kind of is fighting within itself. That's true. Like there, that may be vintage country. I don't know. And then there's yeah, new country, almost country pop, country rock, country soul. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it gets it gets complicated. Yeah. <laughs> it gets complicated. Well, so we we talked about last time because you wrote quite a bit about the punk scene and the sort of um, how that came up in Canada and whatnot. Is is there a sort of a modern day 
rebellious sort of punk scene kind of i hate my hair i hate my parents bands i guess is what we used to call them i i think so but i'm not sure where it's coming from i think punk is more of an attitude there's a couple of bands in in england and there may be there might be some but i'm not really i'm not really up on any new punk bands that are coming out at this point I looked at punk and I thought, well, punk's more of an attitude. Punk is like do it yourself, do it DIY, that sort of thing. Yeah. But I, you know, I when I would, when I was writing the book, I went, okay, is there a Sex Pistols anywhere? No, we don't have. Yeah, you no. know, we don't have Johnny Lydon. We don't have Malcolm McLaren. Well, he's gone anyway. But Johnny Lydon, yeah. I mean, those guys. Again, that was a time and a place. Let's create yeah. chaos. Why don't yeah, we? Right. And I, I don't know if. Um, Maybe if there a punk band out there, I couldn't. I couldn't really find one. Not that, not that had the same kind of impact as the Sex Pistols or the Clash or anything like that. Again, well, yeah, the reason place. the reason I thought of that is because you know, you, you punk was probably the extreme of that, but that angst-driven kind of I hate my parents kind of music that that stokes up some young people and stuff. Is there? I don't see a lot of that out there. I mean, I'm not emo? sure what that genre. Emo music? It, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's why I'm Billie, asking. Cause it, yeah. uh, Billie Eilish, maybe? I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of, I am an out, of, yeah. out of my league here. Yes. Out well, of my league. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I was asking. Cause it's, um, you know, as the genres shift, you know, you know how it goes, they're always looking for the next thing or what's going to be like country music seems to be making a resurgence now. Right. With oh, huge. Brian's and, you know, that's coming yeah. back uh, in the nineties. It was quite big and then it kind of faded and now it seems to be coming back. So we'll see, you know, it, yes. it's a shifting landscape, I guess. Is so I'm asking you how, how you see the shifting landscape and, and where that all fits. I, because everything's so fragmented, I'm not so sure. Um, maybe there's some singer songwriters coming up. I, I don't know what, I couldn't even tell you what a new sound is. I remember, I think yeah, I was listening to an interview with, with Frank, Frank Zappa years ago and he goes, Oh, the next big thing is big band music. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you never know, right? You never know. Well, pop music is still flourishing, right? I mean, like the the Drakes of the world and stuff. But what I find with that stuff is, like, I'm an older guy, right? So that stuff doesn't resonate. Sean Menendez and stuff for yeah, uh, and that stuff doesn't become, resonate with me. No, not with me really. Um, hip hop's become mainstream too. Hmm. That's the other thing. Um, I and I'm not really. I'm not really up on hip hop and rap. I mean, I know a little bit. I, I like MC Solar. He's a French rap artist and I like some stuff, but you know what? One of the first rap songs I ever heard was Blondie Rapture. There you go. Yeah. That was, that's sometimes called the first rap song, right? Cause she's talking over that part and stuff. And yeah. We did yeah. We did it for a while. So, you know, well, that's the thing. So, so pop music is still flourishing, but then, so the big, the biggest hype lately has been the Taylor Swift phenomenon. But then my analysis of that is that she, she did the right thing because she tapped into the, the teeny boppers and the 13 year old girls who are the Swifties, right? Yeah. And she's been evolving. I mean, I, I was listening to a show this morning after Coral Rocks, it's called Fangirl Frequency. And the host is much younger than me, and she was playing Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift and Rihanna. And really, I don't know much about those gals, but I was listening to their music this morning, and I thought, wow, they've really evolved. They have evolved. I think, um, you know. So, And then Madonna. Madonna's on tour right now. She was in Toronto a couple days ago, and people were raving about her show. And I'm talking people (laughs) my age, my age. Uh, they said it was astonishing. I went, wow, okay. Really? Like, yeah, music is so individual. <laughs> well, it's funny because remember uh, Ed the Sock, what he said about Madonna, said, it, it, remember when Madonna used to be cool and now she just looks like somebody's creepy mom trying way too hard to be cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Ed the, Ed the sweet Ed the Sock at the back door. Oh, my God. We had Ed the Sock at the back door and it was his first show out of Toronto. And I got to tell you, that show uh there was a couple of women there 
by the by the end of the show, I don't think there were any women left. Oh really? Um, just, no, it was oh, quite. You told me that. Yeah, he's pretty. It was very blue. It was a very blue show. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> So, so sort of back to Madonna. So she got good reviews in Toronto because some people have been sort of slagging her online and stuff. But uh, I mean, Ugh. she's still out there. She's still one of the top artists that can actually go and fill a stadium, right? Yeah. I mean, how many bands can fill a stadium these days? Very few. So you know, I I thought people were going to see Madonna, and then I I saw something, some posts online. I went, wow. Um, hmm. mm, okay. But yeah, you gotta you give these people all power to them. I mean, they still they keep going, they keep on going yeah. because I, a lot of musicians, friends of mine, say, "Well, what else am I gonna do?" You know, yeah. I'd rather I'd rather you know just perish. I would just rather fade out on stage in the middle of a guitar solo, <laughs> you know, doing what I love. I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that makes well, sense. Then, so that sort of gets back to the. Um, you know, bands that can fill stadiums, but like the heavier music, like who's doing heavy music now? I mean, Guns N' Roses is out. They can still fill a stadium. Um, who yeah. else is coming up with the heavier stuff? Is there any heavy scene these days? I, I don't know. I'm not, I can't, mm. I can't even think. Yeah. Cause it's all retro stuff. I mean, yeah, sure. Guns N' Roses can fill a stadium, but some of the, I guess Buck Cherry, um, there's a few yeah. bands out there that are like the Struts. I think I've heard a lot about them. Some oh, they're a good seem band. To really, really like yep. them. They are. And a good then band. Uh, what's the band? Uh, Greta Van Fleet. Oh yeah, they're like Led Zeppelin. They're like the Zeppelin <laughs> band, right? They're the like a new age Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Uh, yeah. There you go. Yep. Very much so. So I guess there's still a scene out there. I mean, and and I don't like to, to to sort of do the older guy thing because back, you know, we talked about it before, like the disco scene and the punk scene and, and then Van Halen came out and then you still had all the main people and then New Wave came in and we, we talked about yeah. it. It was a big genre soup of different stuff, right? Yeah, 1977 for sure. It was, <laughs> everything was all over the map. So Crazy. yeah, it was. And then Boston and Kansas and all my favorites, you know, and then Skinner comes out with the Southern rock stuff and it's just crazy, but it was really good. I mean, that was, I'm kind of stuck in that era myself. I don't really need anything else to fulfill my life. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, um, the Bowie phenomenon and now, now that, you know, Bowie, like we just celebrated his uh, anniversary of his passing once again on January 10th. So yeah. now you have people like Mike Garson, that was with Bowie and uh, Carmen Roja they, doing the Bowie celebration. So hmm. they go to various um, auditoriums and theaters and stuff like that. They were doing it. I'm not, and, and uh, with people that have played um, like played with Bowie before in the yeah. band and just do his work, like celebrate his work and audiences still come out for that. So that's kind of yeah. neat. Yeah. Well, then the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, so the folk scene was really big too. And we all loved, you know, James Taylor and Jim Crochet and Cat Stevens and all that. And then it's funny because I had Rick Emmett on the, on the podcast and he said that he would take songs to Triumph and they were a heavy rock band. And yes. then Gilmore would say, well, what, these are folk songs. What do you, why are you bringing these to me? Right. But then they'd make yeah. them heavy because they were great riffs, great melodies, awesome yeah. singing, really great playing. So they'd start out with the folky sort of feel and then morph it into this heavy pounding rock song. And it just worked great. So, so where's the folk scene? It seems like there's a lot of singer songwriters out there right now playing those kinds of songs. Um, we have a pretty good folk scene here. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Um, there are some really cool singer songwriters coming out again. It's like country folk, alt folk, folk pop. Right. What do you call it? <laughs> so, I think it's all in the lyrics um, when it comes to folk uh, and, you know, people protesting stuff as well or social, mm. socially conscious, uh, conscious lyrics, not mm. rap, but, but mm. um, folk or rock. But, well, I think yeah. singer songwriter kind of covers a lot of that now, right? Just, yeah, it does. You know, the I true singer song, or like the troubadours, the people who are writing from their heart about their experiences, and they're actually writing the songs, not a writing team. Yes, and it comes yeah, from their I heart, agree. right? Yeah, so. that's true. I agree with that. Yeah. So, is there any genre of music you think that uh, will make a resurgence, like a disco or something? Uh, is there anything else that you you think should make a resurgence? 
Um, I have friend, <laughs> again, I have musician friends of mine that are doing all different genres of music. Hmm. No, I, I think it depends on your lifestyle. Like, I don't know if, if disco they might make a research. I mean, did it ever not? It's kind of like vinyl. Did it ever go away? Did CDs really ever go away? Did yeah. disco yeah. ever really go away? What, you know, it's, everything is, every, what's the name of that movie? Everything, everywhere, uh, all at once. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. it's, some people are into disco still. Some people are into pop. Uh, you know, it, I guess it just depends on your lifestyle. You well, I guess and everything morphs. Yeah. Right. Yeah, everything, everything morphs, morphs from, all the yeah. time. So yeah. different generations, um, they're influenced by things around them, their parents, what their parents listen to, and then they kind of take that and go, oh, well, yeah. this is kind of interesting. Here's a new band that kind of sounds like those guys, but but not really, but I can relate to them more than I can relate to what my parents were listening to. So yeah. I, I don't know. Well, the, the reason That's I brought that up question. is because – yeah, because it's, I mean, it's probably impossible to answer that question, but the reason I bring it up is because what I've noticed is a lot of the younger people are rediscovering the back catalogs and they listen to sticks and they listen to Kansas and they listen to Boston and they go, oh my God, this is so good. And then they try to emulate that. So you get bands like the Greta Van Fleets yeah. who say, well, yeah. this is cool. Like they had something right here that we're going to emulate that because it's super cool. So there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, you may have. Yeah. So Genre resurgence will probably come through that. Maybe there'll be a new band that just does all disco, and it's like, wow, they're a, or, they're yeah. they're a worldwide phenomenon. Like you never know. Like I, for the new generation, <laughs> right? Because because yeah, those the groups, new generation. I mean, the disco groups never went away. There's lots of lots of bands and lots of songs you can pick that go. Well, oh, it's kind of a disco groove, that dancing sort of, you know busted yeah. a move at the disco club and stuff. So no, I wanted to ask you about that. Cause I wanted to have a more general conversation about what you think. And, uh, it is you a know, constant I'm, shifting landscape for sure. Yeah. And funk music is, is cool too. I have a lot of, yes. a lot of people I know that are doing more funky type, funky type rock stuff, which yeah. is kind of interesting as well. So yeah, it's a fascinating topic. That's for sure. Well, Motown music. never went away, right? I no. mean, Motown, that those funky bass grooves and stuff, they're always going to be cool. It's like a black leather jacket. It never goes out of style, right? No, it doesn't. So. It, it doesn't. You're right. <laughs> it never goes out of style. I have two. Yes. <laughs> I have quite a few. I don't want to say how many I have. Quite a few. <laughs> and now I'm getting into mean, goth, goth jackets. So I'm, I'm buying yes. goth, Victorian goth jackets these days. So I'm getting oh, yeah. into that. Yeah, yeah I'm getting right back into goth. Though, right? You're doing the black uh, makeup? It's... No, not the makeup, just the jacket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, no, it's, it's really cool. I, I, I'm very happy to be able to pick your brain and kind of see what you think about all the things that are going on and, and, and your overall enthusiasm about music. I'm, I'm happy to hear that because I've always just had a, a, an optimistic sort of positive mindset and I just go out and sing from my heart and hope that people like it. And it's certainly been working. So. I think the same from your perspective. I think that's the most important thing. If you if you're passionate about what you do, the rest will follow. If you're if you're in it to, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make some money doing this. I mean, seriously, come on. <laughs> like, come on. You can. Um, if you become a journeyman musician or if you you know keep at it, but if you have that attitude right off the bat, you're probably not gonna succeed because you need to have the passion and the drive first yeah. and then the rest seems to follow I no think. it's a good point because I, I did a seminar on helping bands find paying gigs and better paying gigs and that's one of the things i said is that if you don't love what you do and you're not passionate about it you're competing against somebody who is yeah Keep that in mind yeah that's because, that's exactly you know, right as they want the gig too and they're going to get it because they're they're pumped on it so that's exactly well, good. Well, right. I appreciate you taking the time and sharing some of your thoughts with me about uh, oh, the, the crazy music scene. And it sounds like you're really super active these days. So that's good to hear. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, what? it's always so much fun talking to you. I appreciate <laughs> it. It really is. It really well, is. Just keep on keeping on and uh, 
and keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate the, you know, the fact that you're, that you love music. Like, like I always often say, my old manager used to say, try to be around people who love music and love musicians. If you can get people like that in your life, they'll treat you well. And I, yeah, I totally advice, agree with that. You know, and you're one of those people. So I appreciate you for that. Well, thanks a lot, Dan. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. No, that's all good. It's my pleasure. Many thanks to Coral Andrews for being part of the Liner Notes podcast and sharing some insights from her incredible experiences in the music business. And more information is available at coralandrews.ca. And she's got lots of stuff on there and all the links to her radio station and all the things that she's doing, her writing and the extensive things that she's done in her book. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and invite you to subscribe to it and share it on social media so others can enjoy it as well. We also invite you to listen to Dusty Discs Radio Tuesdays and Thursdays to hear music from the Canadian artists you're hearing on this show. So until next time, I'm Dan Harris.